Katie. I'm Erica. And this, and this is, is Book Talk. Hi, Katie. Hi, Erica. Welcome to Book Talk. It's early in the morning. Sorry, we're like, have sleepy voices. <laughs> we do. I'm working on it. So if you are joining us for the first time this season this is the third episode about the perfect ruin and at the end or the middle of this episode we'll also announce the next book that we're reading and also our special guest for our final episode of the perfect ruin so lots of exciting stuff in this so many things so many things happen in this episode. So in this section, we get to hear things from somebody besides Ivy's perspective, and we get a little bit of information from Georgia. We learn about her getting hired by Lola, her falling in love and getting married, all the way through the car accident that did kill Ivy's parents. So we get to hear about that night um, in full detail. We then flash back to Ivy and Lola at the gala in present day, as Ivy's relationship with Corey is getting more complicated and a little bit more intense while Lola and Corey's relationship is also falling apart. Um, this section ends with Lola confronting Ivy about who she really is and letting her know she knows that it was her parents. Which is a dramatic way to end this section. I think it was last week's episode where I had said that Lola knows more than we think she does. I now am confused about how much Lola knows, but the big... Well, there's a couple of big twists in this section, but one of them is that it really seems like Georgia is the one who knows more than we think she knows and that she might be the mastermind orchestrating, bringing Ivy and Lola together. And it's not clear for what reason. It seems like from the beginning of this section that Georgia hates Ivy, but it also seems like maybe she's trying to sabotage Lola to get out of this contract that she might still be in or to get back at Lola for potentially ruining her marriage. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about Georgia, too. I can't figure out, and I wrote this down, like, I feel like in this section there were some twists, but there wasn't really anything I wasn't expecting. And so I will, I'm giving it to okay, maybe not there wasn't anything I wasn't expecting, but the big, like, I knew that Lola knew um, I knew that Georgia probably also knew in it. Like, it's not like I wasn't surprised at certain sections. We'll get to the sections I was surprised about. But I'm just curious how this is all going to tie together. And I will give it to Shannara Williams. I, like, can't figure it out. I'm like, why would Georgia bring her here? What is she getting out of this? Is she the one who gave her the name? Like, there's a lot of unanswered questions. And I can't – I don't know how it's going to end. So I do think that part was done well. Like, I don't know how we could possibly wrap this up in section four. So I'm excited to find out. I feel like when you said that Georgia might be bringing her there to get out of her 10-year contract or to get back at her for ruining her marriage, I feel like, first of all, Lola's got a lot of enemies, so that's not great for her. Um, but also, can anybody in this entire storyline communicate with each other? Like, I can't with being like, okay, let me just ruin her life instead of confronting her and talking about my feelings. Let me just like sleep with her husband. If I want to get out of this contract, let me just like bring the girl whose parents she killed over instead of talking to her or like, I don't know. I just, I've got more to say on the communication in books in general, but that's how I feel about the kind of Lola part of it. I'm like, can anyone just talk to her? Like, I don't know. I just finished Chuck Palahniuk's book about writing, and he talks a little bit about strategies and plot points. I think 
I see a little bit of where this is going. So he talks about, you remember when we talked about the Chekhov's gun situation in the guide? He talks about how a lot of really good books will do that in some way, whether it's through an actual gun or through a character that you sort of forget about. One character that's not mentioned in the section at all is Kiki. Oh, yeah. So we know that Kiki knows that Ivy is up to no good, and Kiki is nothing if not loyal to Lola for her own reasons. So I think that's the one thing I see coming is like Kiki might come back and play an important role in wrapping this up. It seems almost like Lola is maybe the red or um, Georgia maybe is like a red herring that Ivy is focusing on now and has sort of and her relationship with Corey is she's sort of forgotten about openly threatening Kiki and like it's not hard for Kiki to put it together that Ivy was the one who tried to kill her. Right. I mean, Kiki knows. I will be interested to see if she, like, when she comes back. I feel like there are so many potential things that could happen in this last section. Before we move on from this topic, I want to finish my rant about communication and fiction books. I feel like, especially the last, like, five books I've read, I'm like, so we're just not talking to each other. We're just breaking up and accepting it. We're just moving into someone's house and not interviewing them. We are just signing a 10-year contract and getting married and not having the conversation if we're going to move out. Like, I and I also read a book where they fall in love and they can't because of a bunch of reasons and she like leaves she doesn't even give him the option I'm like why why does nobody in any of these books like communicate like I know that that makes the plot more interesting or more dramatic or more heartbreaking but it's just so frustrating to me I'm like I just don't understand I feel like maybe this is also my group of people in my life or generation I don't know but I feel like and I did have like a longer discussion about this last night but and so it might be both of those things I do feel like I talk about everything in my life I cannot imagine doing the things any of these characters are doing and not discussing it with the people that it involves I, it might be an age thing because I think I'm yeah. better at it now that I'm in my 30s, but I wasn't good about it in my 20s. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I still, yes, I feel like it's an age thing and maybe a like generational thing. Like we were talking about our parents not wanting to communicate as much or talk about the feelings as much or just being like less confrontational. Um, and like, I, I feel like that is a is a generational thing. And then also us as a growing up thing and so maybe it's like the combination of both of those but the people in the books in a lot of these books I've been reading and in Olga Dye's Dream every single book I've read lately they're just like shutting other characters out for days at a time and not saying anything and they sometimes are like my age in present day and I'm like what are you doing <laughs> like this is kind of our age in present day I mean, we are very well. First of all, we're real people, um, so we're not. I know fiction this characters. is my frustration with fiction characters, not with us. <laughs> um, I think, though, also a lot of times books and the plot is like trying to work out something that like the author is dealing with. So it might be a miscommunication that they had in their past, or something they were never able to talk about or deal with. I don't know. I get it. There's things that I have not resolved in my own life. There's things that I conversations I haven't had that I wish I could have had. I wish I could go back in time and have. Fair. But we are a very therapized, chatty group of people. So we are privileged in that way that we have lots of tools and skills for talking things out and then dealing with the consequences. 
which not everybody has. Also, we forget like Ivy is mentally ill, so she's dealing with yes, this is true her own issues. And again, when I get to the books I've read, I will yeah. I mean that's I agree. This section finally worked on me. I finally feel bad for Ivy. Why? Interesting. And um, I truly mean that word. I know I get in trouble for saying that all the time, but like I am interested to hear why. I think she finally sort of starts to come to her senses. Like, well, first of all, it's hilarious that she's like, oh, I didn't realize Corey was going to be so emotional. I know. (laughs) Okay, but she's so narcissistic in that section. I was like. Yeah, but then she also is like, wait, this is not like what I thought it was going to be. And I found that to be kind of refreshing. And then also she sort of gets assaulted in this section oh yeah during that scene I did feel bad for Ivy I feel like that's a like she thinks she knows what she's getting out of it she doesn't actually know this man at all and she's kind of got like blinders on in how she's dealing with him and what she wants to get out of it and then he like shows his true colors and it's terrifying and I do feel bad for Ivy because she can't get out of it and she's kind of like like how did I end up here like one of those situations you're just looking around you're like wait a minute this is not what the, that was. This was not the plan. So I do feel bad for her there. Yeah, I think she's obviously spent so much time plotting and planning this revenge thing. And now she's at the gala. She's sleeping with Lola's husband. And it's sort of the sad realization that this is not giving her the feelings she thought it was. Yeah. And even this final confrontation with Lola, it doesn't seem like the answers are that satisfying. Right, she's like, this is not, wait, she's the one on the defensive? She's the one, like, controlling this conversation? It's just, like, nothing is how Ivy imagined it would be, which, again, is, I mean, she didn't work through this plan with anybody else before. Um, I mean, I do feel bad for her and how it's working out. And I think that confrontation was, I'm, like, blanking now on what happened at the end of that. It sort of just, like, fades out with Ivy realizing that, okay, Lola didn't know they had a daughter, so she must not have been the one who told me. Right, who told, right. Who told Marriott. So that means it must have been Georgia or Corey. It's definitely not Corey, so it was Georgia. And so I think she's, like, realizing at the moment her plan is clearly falling apart for many reasons, and one yeah. of them is because she didn't expect Georgia to be the one orchestrating this. Right, and I was kind of surprised it came out in the open um like that Lola confronted her in this section and like that happened we have so much more to go so I'm I just can't figure out what's going to happen with with Lola this is another thing from the book that I loved from the Chuck Palahniuk book is he said one of the best things you can do in fiction is never resolve a tension until you've introduced a new tension Mm. and so we now we have the tension with Georgia and so we don't resolve the tension between Ivy and Lola until we already have this like new threat of this other character and her intentions, we, have the we don't know. And the Corey tension. Um, yeah. I still cannot get over the fact that this is set in present day and Georgia signed a 10-year contract. Lola had her sign a 10-year contract where she lives there and then encourages her to fall in love without actually, I mean, she is selfish, not thinking of the consequences, but a 10-year contract, that is insane. It's not clear to me what that contract means or how like binding it is. It definitely seems like Lola has a great lawyer because 
Okay. Her lawyer's making non-disclosure agreements. He's like helping her bribe the police. Sorry, maybe it's not a he. I should not be so gendered in my assumptions. They, her lawyer, um, is definitely getting her really good deals on a lot of fronts. So the lawyer is working overtime. I think the 10-year contract is one of these things. They they hinted specifically that it was a 10-year contract and brought that part up multiple times that I'm wondering what that will like that will come back, I think, in this last section, specifically about it being a 10-year contract. But I okay, one one more thing about the communication. Georgia gets married to this man, and then he's like, So you're moving in here. You didn't talk about this beforehand. She's not moving in here. Well, of course, it's the classic I told you. And it's not my fault that you didn't remember. <laughs> Again, you didn't have 15 conversations about this. Another point about communication, which is, I guess, our theme of this episode, is that Corey and Lola are, like, just having affairs sort of out in the open at this point. Out in the open. I was stressed at this gala, and neither of them, no one else was. She walks right up to Eddie. She's like, chill out, Corey. As she walks out with another man in front of everybody, Corey and Ivy are, like, literally hooking up right outside. In the closet. Yes, in the closet. And then leave together. And nobody is, like, watching or cares. And Corey is clearly upset. Lola seems unfazed by any of it. And I really am obsessed with her silver fox of a man that she's cheating with. Do you think that this is actually Corey's first affair? No. I think that they've done this to each other for their whole relationship. Is my is my feeling, but I think that Corey probably thought something was different, maybe, or thought they were like on a better track, and then to be confronted in in public with it, I think is making him super angry. But I don't think this is the first time they don't seem again like they have any healthy communication. <laughs> I also don't think that this is his first affair, but you're right; it seems like he's extra self conscious about this new guy, Eddie. Is that his name? Yeah, Something Eddie. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe something is developing with Ivy and this guy, or maybe she's thinking about leaving because of the kids issue that she still wants to try and have kids and Corey's not willing to do that. So I don't know. We'll see. I wonder if that relationship tension will get resolved at the end of this book, or if we're mostly just going to focus on the relationship between Ivy and Lola. Yeah. I wonder what will happen with Ivy and Corey too. Um. She is really, like, desperate in this last section. She's just, like, up until they, like, get back to the hotel room, obviously, and then things go downhill quickly. Yeah, I hope she leaves him in the dust. I hope everybody leaves Corey in the dust. I know. That's my only hope for this last section. <laughs> I hope nobody ends up with Corey and he ends up unhappy. Okay, lots of questions to be answered in this last section, which we are reading next week, and we're finishing the book. I can't wait to see what happens. We have so many ideas. And we have a special guest joining us next week. Yes, Shanora Williams will be here to discuss this last section and hopefully answer any questions she doesn't answer in section four of this book. So we're so excited to talk to the author of The Perfect Ruins. We hope you join us. So exciting. And then we also announce in the third episode of each book club read, we announce our next book club read. So you have plenty of time to get your copy of the book. And our next book is The School for Good Mothers by Jessamine Chan. Oh, my God. I'm so excited about this book. It is a debut novel about a 
a young mother who lands herself in a government reform program while the custody of her child hangs in the balance. Bum, bum, bum. So we're back to our theme of mothers and daughters and the complicated idea of what motherhood is and what the ideal woman trope is. I'm so excited. I can't wait to read this book. So we'll see you next week. Check our Instagram page for the schedule of the Good Mother or the School for Good Mothers. Um, we're at booktalk underscore podcast. I just finished Olga Dies Dreaming. Um, I talked about this last week. It's about a Puerto Rican family living in Brooklyn and kind of the multiple family dramas that are happening. Um, It really centers around, obviously, Olga, who is a – she owns a wedding planning business in the beginning, and it kind of follows her love story tropes, her bad business tropes, um, and also her relationship with her brother, who's a congressman. Um, so it really centers around the two of them and the drama that ensues with their mom, who's a radical political operative in Puerto Rico. Um, and it's all right after Hurricane Maria. It's it's really interesting, like the context of what's happening in politics at that time, what's happening in Puerto Rico in that time and what's happening in this family. Um, I felt like there was a lot of stories in the beginning. I was like, I'm never going to be able to keep track of these. Which I love a big group cast um in a book but it was really good i loved it um i think there was a couple storylines that weren't 100 percent finished that i wanted to know more about so i feel like that's why i would give it a 4.5 um but overall I, I can't wait for you to read it i'm excited this is a pretty buzzy book yeah it's a buzzy book i found olga to be frustrating at times but relatably frustrating um and i was definitely rooting for all of them and for them to like work through in real time what what was going on in their lives and I loved Preto her brother I the other book that I'm reading I was starting to read Magnolia Table it has basically the same plot as a book I just finished Carnegie's Made or at least a very similar plot in the beginning um and so I'm not going to read that right now I need a little break between them um for these type of historical fiction books so I picked back up All the Young Men by Ruth Coker Burks um which is a true story of this single mom in Hot Springs Arkansas I'm in the middle of the AIDS epidemic and how she was really caring for um, caring for men who had AIDS in a, it's like basically her true story of compassion and being the only person who was really there for them um, in the kind of community that she built. So it's a really, it's a really good story. I'm probably like a third of the way done with it. I've started it before and then put it down. So I'm excited to finish that one soon. Um, I think January is going, the end of January is going to be the, Finish the books, milk fed, this, etc. I can't believe you haven't finished milk fed for the number of times we've talked about it. I know. It's amazing. I'm really giving this book a lot of free press. <laughs> None of it good. I finished two books. Ooh. First is Somebody's Daughter by Ashley Ford. Oh, so yeah. Ashley C. Ford. So this is a memoir. I'm not really a memoir person. I'm excited to see how you think about it it's just not my favorite style of books so 
for that reason, I didn't love it too much, but I loved her story. I was definitely crying a lot towards the end with some of the scenes with her dad. And it was very moving. Yeah, so I liked it. I just don't love the memoir format. I feel like it's like, I was a child once. Here's the story of my childhood. Then I went to college. Here's the story of me in college. You know, it's just like, it's always told in sort of a very linear format. It's usually told like first person, like you're telling me your story. And it's not my favorite. I'm more of a fiction fan, but I think you'll really like it because you like memoirs. It's just a pretty pretty, um, short. It's like a nice and concise. Yay. Yeah, I don't want to read that. And then I finished Chuck Palahniuk's Consider This, which is a book about writing. I would not recommend this if you are not a writer. It's very, like, specific towards people who are trying to write either fiction or nonfiction. Mm. But a lot of the tips were really helpful for me. And he says, like, these are all stories after which nothing was the same. And some of the stories he tells are absolutely wild and some of them actually will stay with me forever and sort of things he had been thinking about and had nowhere to put other than in this book about writing so so interesting his experience on book tours like crazy stories other people has have told him stories about like Stephen King all this um kind of legends around other writers and their experience so I liked it great I won't be reading that one but I will take the memoir well, you can't read the Palinic book because it's a library book, so it's going back today. <laughs> well, I guess I won't be reading that book. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm, I don't know what I'm reading next. I am reading the book Agatha of Little Neon. Oh, yeah. What are you thinking so far? It's moving slowly. I don't know. Okay. It's not grabbing me yet. How and far I'm in are you? Over a third. Oh. Yeah. But we'll see. I'm going to keep okay. going. Okay. Exciting. Okay. Well, see you next week. Okay. Bye. Book Talk is made by me, Erica Bailey, and Katie Cheney. With production support from Dan White, our theme music is by Dan White. We'll see you next week.